Welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast after another Sunderland League game this time away from home to Hull City. It did finish 1-1 and of course there was a few moments of debate um, which we'll get on to everything that happened the team selection of course a couple of players who did make their return and on the other side a couple of players that did pick up injuries as well. But first and foremost John, Hull was probably one of one of the games in this one of fixtures that people looked at and said we should be winning um, and out of context a 1-1 draw away to Hull who I think probably still are the worst defensive side in the league probably still looks like a bad result but taken in context everything that happened realistically the performance the injuries and whatnot decisions that are made it's not a bad point away from home yeah I think if if you isolate it um, you know, and, and like we said, the circumstances, you know, the injuries and the players coming back and, you know, losing Bath, Embleton, um, you know, in, you know, the red card as well. I think in isolation, you probably say, yeah, it's it's a decent-ish point. I think there's still things that, that would frustrate us. Mm. Um, you know, m- maybe, maybe being a bit critical here, but I think, you know, the, the defending for their goal wasn't really that good considering how well we defended after they'd they'd scored you know on looking at it as a whole I think it's a massive missed opportunity um I, I don't think the performance was very yeah you know, I, I think the performance had to change obviously after the red card because we went to a, a slightly more defensive and more resolute and just sort of hit the counter if we can um but before that you know with with 11 men on the pitch I I wasn't impressed one one little bit with with most of them to be fair. I couldn't I couldn't really pick out any any star um performance before that, you know, and when players are being substituted like you know, Sims and Clark and, and those types of players and they're sort of looking as if to say, like, well, why am I being brought off? It's, you've basically given us nothing. Maybe give Sims the benefit of the doubt because he's a striker and didn't really get any service. But, you know, there's there's a few players there that just just massive, massive frustration and you know, we'll, we'll get into the game as a whole. You know, obviously in a second, but you know the the pace of it was was pedestrian. It was just felt like a preseason friendly. But you know, back to yeah. your point, in isolation, it's probably a good point. You know, we've given the circumstances. Yeah, and obviously that point, Kyle takes us, and I think we're now three points off the playoffs. Obviously, a win, and we could have been a point behind what I think is QBR. Um, obviously, it's still a very tight table. We're still, you know looking over our shoulder a bit because, you know, one defeat and teams below us win and, you know, you suddenly slide down the table. But on the other hand, one win, teams above you lose, you fly up the table. And I think Mowbray said in his press conference after the game, and it's probably a good point to kind of make, that a point away to Hull probably seems a much better result had we been better at home this season. (laughs) Yeah, that's an understatement. You know, and the the home struggles uh, kind of speak from speak for itself but I mean look at the table as a whole really there's only there's only really about one or maybe two informed teams and one of them is West Brom West Brom's won five in a row now you know looking at toward the top top gets a little bit you know steadier but I mean even the teams above us you know like Swansea hasn't won in five um you know Reading has three losses two wins you know kind of mixed it right there so I I think this is just kind of a, a typical championship experience i'd love to go back and look at other league tables you know around this time from previous seasons but yeah i think we're just kind of right in the middle of what what's a pretty pedestrian championship season um one that that you know teams like stoke or luton coventry probably are a little bit more accustomed to type of thing so it's um 
I think it's a big point overall, to be honest, because a loss there, and I think things would have started kind of going off the rails a little bit within our fan base. I think the draw at least steadies the ship for a little bit, but definitely some uh, some issues we need to figure out, especially at home. And I, yeah. you know, luckily we have plenty more matches at home coming up. So, yeah, obviously on the team, John, um, there was off the top of my head one change. Could be wrong on that. It was one, wasn't it? Embledon for. Pritchard, um, no, Clark as well. Obviously, he started as well. It was, you know, I can't remember what, what game it was, but Mowbray said, you know, after a game about Patrick Roberts and how, you know, he's one of the best players in the league um, and how Ahmad's form's keeping him out. I, you know, this might just be me, but it just seems a bit strange that even when Clark's out of form, you know, if Pritchard's not available, Embleton, who hasn't really done too much recently, you know, he's ahead of him. And Roberts just doesn't seem to be getting that you know, chance in the starting eleven. Obviously, he came off the bench. He got the assist, which we'll get onto. But it's just a strange situation with him. Yeah, I think I think we touched on it on the podcast um, after the West Brom game. You know, I think we've got to find a way. You know, at the moment, we'd we'd probably agree that Jack Clark is probably out of form um, a little bit. Which, when we've got players like Patrick Roberts sort of chomping at the bit and do actually come on and do produce moments, not given like, you know, two minutes at the end of the uh, West Brom game to sort of try and do something. You know, when he's when he's given a chance, he will, you know, he will do something. I think he links up well with um, with Ahmad at times. Um, I think we've seen that previously in some of the good goals that we've scored. So it's down, it's down to the manager to, uh, you know, to find that, you know, that that's his job ultimately. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, Embleton's a number 10. Um, you know, for Pritchard, I don't see why Patrick Roberts can't almost almost be given a free roll. Obviously, he knows there's defensive work to be done. But if you've got Dan Neal and Corey Evans behind you, I don't see why you can't put him in there, you know, or Ahmad or even, you know, Jack Clark. There's There's got to be some sort of give there. Obviously, if if uh, if Pritchard is, is still struggling... Um, and then obviously we know Embleton's going to be out for a while. Then it's it's a case of maybe the hand's going to be sort of forced now. But it's it is a real struggle when you got games at pedestrian pace yesterday. I'm not saying that Patrick Roberts would have been the absolute total difference yesterday, but you 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 can expect he can produce those those moments. You know, we look at the the game against Reading. It was a game that was quite pedestrian that one, and then sort of Embleton came on and Roberts was already on the wing, and you know Roberts scores two amazing goals, yeah. and that's. That's the thing that that I think we we do need. Obviously, it's very revisionary because obviously of how the game went. Um, but yeah, he's it, you know that, that's Mowbray's job now. He's got to find a way of getting Patrick Roberts into the team because you know we definitely need him where certain players aren't. You know, Jack Clark keeps getting the chance, and at the moment it's just not happening for him. So there there has to be that um, you know competition for places to say, well, if you're not like Roberts has been, you know, Ahmad was off it a little bit yesterday, you'd you'd say, considering, you know, what it's been like recent weeks. So there has to be that a bit of competitiveness. And when someone moans as well, I'm not in you know, when Clark moaned about coming off yesterday, I was thinking, you haven't done anything. You haven't done one thing. So ultimately that's that's I think that's where we you know, the squad needs to aspire to be, and, and Mowbray's just got to be maybe a tiny bit braver, I think. Yeah. And obviously, with no Pritchard, Kyle, you know, again, this is probably a um, a kind of point that comes up in just about every podcast, but, you know, he has had criticism this season, but without him, you know, that transition from, you know, defence into midfield, midfield into attack, it just doesn't happen, and you could see how much we missed him. 
Absolutely, especially when we have you know the strikers like we do have in, in, in Ross Stewart and uh, Ellis Sims. And I think, you know, I'm sure we'll get to it as well, but, you know, the, the pass that Patrick Roberts made that led to the goal, that was very Pritchard-esque, I would say. And so I think that's what people, or like what John just identified there is, you know, it feels like Patrick Roberts could have slid into that that role that Embleton was playing, but it is up to the manager. There's a lot more than just, you know, putting players in the right position. It's just there's a lot of man management involved and players knocking on his door asking why they're not getting time and things like that. But, you know, I think probably the biggest frustration for Mowbray right now is just <laughs> we just can't stay healthy. You know, as soon as we start getting getting players back and getting players healthy, you know, we lost one long term. I don't think we've heard anything about Danny ba- um, Bart yet. So uh, it'll be it's got to be frustrating for him as well. But just like you said, I think now kind of the hands can be forced at, as long as he's kept Patrick Roberts in the wings and just said, hey, you know, when your chance is ready, please be ready. Obviously, when he came on yesterday, he was ready to make an impact. And I think that'll go a long way with now us more than likely having to rely on him more heavily here in the future. Yeah. Um, on the first half, John, quite frankly, a wretched first half of football for not just Sunderland fans, not just Hull fans, but anyone that was unfortunate enough to be watching the game. Yeah, it was very, very petition. Obviously, we said before, you know, it's, it's a bit like a pre-season game. Um, and you just expect to, you know, to be fair, when we've gone away from home, we've normally played some some really good football, some maybe some exciting football, you know, the, the best we've probably played in years, to be fair. Um, but yeah, yesterday, just it just felt slow, you know, pedestrian pace. No one really wanted to take a risk. I thought we were quite safe. You know, we maybe had the odd one or two opportunities, but you didn't really, you know, Hull were in a bit of a transition and you, you could tell that they were they were nervous, you know, playing it out from the back, but, you know, we didn't, we didn't really go after him. I don't know if that's a, an Alex Pritchard thing, because normally he sort of triggers a, a good press and gets us up the pitch, but it, there didn't yeah. seem to be any of that. And I, personally, I think the less said about the first half, you know, the better it was, it was awful. I mean, you, you just, it's one of those weird, you know, just, it's just a dead bit of football that no one will probably ever talk about ever again and forget it probably happened. Yeah. The only other thing that's really worth talking about in that first half, Kyle, um, is not a good thing. Obviously, Danny Bart went off with an injury. Um, hopefully that one's not too serious. I don't think it will be. I think it might be a case of, you know, you probably might miss the Boxing Day game against Blackburn. Possibly you might be back for that much sure. But on the plus side, it was good to see Dan Ballard return probably earlier than expected, but nonetheless be back on the pitch. Yeah, and I think that's what uh, Mowbray said as well. Is there, there's more minutes than they wanted for for Ballard. I think at this stage, um, it's, it'll be good to have Bailey Wright coming back here shortly. I would imagine probably what within the next week or so, as well. Uh, I think we have a little bit of a break. I think what next game's on box or the 26th? Is that Boxing Day? Boxing yeah. Day, right? All right, so a little bit of time there to, to heal it. But yeah, it's just it's unfortunate. He's been probably amongst our best if not the best player for us this season as far as just what his role is on the team and and you know what he represents and kind of his leadership qualities so of course he goes down injured you know and that's that's just unfortunate but Ballard looked a little rusty at times looked really good at other moments so that's encouraging but yeah it's just a matter of now we just gotta stabilize a little bit hopefully it's nothing long term for Danny and then we can just kind of uh you know, next man up mentality, you know, get him in there and, you know, maybe change formation a little bit if we have to, but that's on Tony to figure out. So it's just, yeah, it's just, a, it was just very typical of, of kind of how the season's gone so far. 
Yeah. On the second half, then, John, um, the half in which kind of everything seemed to happen. Four minutes in, Hull got a penalty. Um, challenge from Ballard that initially looked like it was a poor decision from the referee. The ball obviously went in a different direction and automatically you assume he has got the ball, but you could tell that was a bit of rustiness from Ballard. He hasn't played for, what, three months and don't think there's too many complaints that a penalty was given there. No, it looked, looked pretty nailed on, to be fair. I think when you first saw it, Corey Evans is in the way and you maybe think it hits him, but, you know, on, on the replay, it's obviously definitely a penalty. And I think it is one that in his head, Danny Ballard thinks he can... He can make it, but uh, obviously he's a bit rusty, and you know he's he's very late, shall we say? Um, you know, it's it's just just one of them. You know, I, I think if if Danny Bart's on the pitch and not him, I don't think we do concede the penalty. Um, but it's it's just one of those. But thankfully he uh, dragged it wide. I think Patterson would have saved it if it was on target in that corner anyway. But um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll take that one. Yeah, obviously it was Estupinan that took that one and he did put it wide and it what was 10 pen. minutes later. It was. <laughs> what a pen. Oh, God. It's not the best month for penalties, is it? Unless right, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes later, though, the next kind of big change in the game happened, Kyle. Um, and obviously after the red card and furthermore the injury to Elliot Embleman, which we'll also touch on, you know, it was a ball that kind of just bounced in between two players, 50-50, the whole player jumps into it and just turns his back. Elliot Embleton jumps into it probably a little bit stupidly. Um, you know, I don't think too many people would disagree with the way that he's gone in it isn't particularly clever. But that said, when you've seen the replay, it just didn't look like a red no. card. And I mean, yeah, I mean at the time, yeah. I thought he'd given a free kick to Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, it was it was just bad timing, and I think it was a bad angle overall because you know where the ref was positioned, all he sees is Embleton with his foot up. But I mean, the player goes into him. It's not as though the player got their first kind of established position, and then Embleton just comes in with the high boot. Like it was just, and I, I feel like Embleton's been on the wrong end of a couple of these types of decisions and challenges. Sometimes it definitely is his fault. This one was just, it just compounded by the fact that he also is now out long-term for the season. It's just really unfortunate. And I, I like Embleton. I do. And I, I think he's got some critics. I think for the most part, I think most of our fans kind of appreciate him, but there's always the idiots on Twitter saying it's good that he's out for this long. And it's just like, you know, he probably sees that like, come on, you know, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's uh, it was just compounded by the fact, like I said, that the ref also made a poor decision. Um, and uh, yeah, we had to go down a man and <laughs> another injury added to the list. And I think, you know, with the injuries, especially as well, I think we're also just experiencing probably what's a pretty typical championship season. You know, if you look at the other teams who've probably been in the championship for a long time, they've had, I'm sure, similar runs of form where it's just, man, no one can stay healthy. You know, we can't really string a couple wins together. So it's frustrating from our perspective because I think we do have pretty lofty aspirations, but I think if you look at it as a whole, these sort of things just tend to happen to, you know, teams of the championship team players break down injuries and, and decisions go against them. And that's just another, another, you know, chance for Mowbray now to, to elevate somebody else from the squad and say, okay, well, you know, here's your opportunity. Let's go make the most of it. And we'll see maybe the players like me shoot or, you know, other players in yeah. kind of that attacking midfield role. So I'm sure we'll get to that as well, but it, it sucks for Ambo. I, I really like him. I mean, especially going back to, you know, his playoff goal or um, Wembley goal and, you know, see he's done fairly well now. And yeah, 
that the critics on Twitter can can shove it really because that's just poor form to you know literally yeah. kick a man when he's down like that. But you know, it is. and I think you were of the same opinion, John, that that is just not a red card. Yes, it's it is definitely a weird one. Um, I think it it looks to me as in two players are trying to do two different things. So it looks to me like Elliot Embleton is trying to lift the ball over the defender. Yeah. So that would be a natural way that he's done it. The the whole defender is trying to obviously roll Emberton, which is what you would do to shield the ball. And just the culmination of those two things and the positioning of the ref just would make it look really bad. The, obviously, the referee doesn't play football, so he's not going to know like what what is genuinely like trying to happen. Elliot Emberton has not gone in there to, you know, do what Lee Catamol did at whole, you know, years ago and trying to decapitate someone. He's not trying to do that. He's trying to just lift the ball. You know, he's a silky player. He's trying to just lift the ball over his man. His man then obviously tries to shield the ball, goes down like he's been shot. That obviously doesn't help. And and again, I a hundred percent don't think it's it's a red card and it'll probably be rescinded, hopefully. Um but I think you can see from the officiating and the dreadful officiating we do see, you can maybe see why he's given it. Um, but but for me, massively, massively harsh, you know, especially he's being carried off the pitch. You know, if he's down injured, why can't the ref give himself a second, to, you know, to have a think, you know, wait for him to, you know, gather his thoughts. You know, I think the red card was out before, you know, the, the medical team were even on the pitch. So, yes. you know, it's... Again, it's one of those ones. It's just gone. It's gone against us. I can, I can maybe slightly see where the refs coming, but you've got to understand, you know, what what's trying to happen there. And and it's not, you know, like I say, he hasn't gone in. It's not like a tackle, you know, where the one where he got sent off was it Gillingham where he got sent off, and you can maybe say, well, there's a bit of force there, you know. It's it's nothing like that, you know. And I'd I'd like to see what, you know, sort of horrible scars that whole defender's got because I doubt it's many. You know, right. he's he sort of played played the system, but then you'd think sometimes maybe we should should do that a little bit. But yeah, very very harsh for me. Yeah, and obviously whether Sunderland appeal that or not could become somewhat irrelevant, Kyle, because obviously it hasn't actually been confirmed what's happened yet. But I'm sure people at this point have seen it on Twitter about um, the rumours of what the injury is, and apparently it's a, a double leg break, which would obviously <laughs> be out for. Uh, long enough period right. of time yeah i mean obviously that that's the season form for sure i mean it's <laughs> it's funny I, I would love to hear from a player's perspective like if you're gonna you know receive any sort of leg injury would you rather be a bone break or like a ligament tear like an acl and mcl or anything like that so i mean at least with legs i mean th- there's a decent chance it'll heal and he'll be you know pretty much the same player that he was which is nice because with with knee injuries and things like that you just never know so i guess if, if we're looking for silver linings i guess that that is one but yeah that's what's frustrating is you know if, if the if the ref gives a, a yellow and a stern talking to no one's gonna bat an eye i think even whole fans probably would have been like yeah that that's probably fair obviously you know you want a red from their perspective but uh, a yellow would have completely sufficed. It would have. It's not like the game was also getting out of hand. Like if it was really getting testing and the ref wanted to send a message, fine. Or if El- Embleton had a history of being kind of a dirty player, I get that. It's just, yeah, uh, overboard again. But uh, John, I, I, I like how you just assume that the ref just doesn't play football whatsoever. So that's, I, I just thought that was funny. Maybe he does, but I, I know what you're. I know what you were saying. I just thought that was funny. And obviously that decision against us um led to some changes john stewart came on sergan came on and 
Roberts obviously came on, and it was about 15 minutes later that two of the substitutes obviously combined for the goal. Ross Stewart making his return, which obviously we'll get on to. It was Ross Stewart with the goal. Like you said right at the start, you know, we changed our shape, changed the way we kind of approached the game, played more defensively, looking to hit Hull on the break. That's exactly how the, how the goal came about. Roberts gets the ball. Possibly a foul from Ballard before that. Um, possibly not. But the ball falls to Roberts, the ball over the top to Stewart. And, you know, for a player that's not played for probably the best part of, you know, two or three months, that is as composed a finish as you're going to get. Yeah, it was very good. I think he maybe had a bit of a warm-up one before, you know, and he he's, he put his thumb up to acknowledge the run, you know, and when the one that come off his shoulder, he was probably just just behind. Um, so, yeah, when, you know, when it, even half fit, you because you wouldn't have said he's, he's at full fitness yet, you know, in, in any way, shape or form, um, you know, to... To, to make that run, obviously, those players are going to spot that. You know, that that's probably the sort of things that they do actually work on, you know, because he's a runner. Um, you know, I don't know what the whole defenders are doing, not even marking him because we're playing one up front. And, um, you know, Ellis Sims was probably marshaled quite well. Um, and then, yeah, great, great literally split the centre-backs and then straight through. Again, I'm not sure what the keeper's doing either. Um, but, yeah, just, just waits for him to make a stupid jump. And then, yeah, slots it in the bottom corner. It's a... It's a timely return for him and that'll do him the world of good, obviously scoring. Hopefully that, you know, his reaction and the crowd's reaction maybe sway him somewhat to maybe thinking about picking up a pen soon, you know, that we, we all hope. I'd, I'd hope, you know, the the upper, you know, management of the squad, you know, will sort of look at that and think, hmm, what are we, if we do lose out on that, how much is it going to cost to, you know, to replace that? And is is it replaceable, you know, to the level that he is? Um, so, yeah, it was, it, it was a, it was a nice finish sort of all round, I think, you know, for everyone just to see. And, you know, it, you could see it to him as well. It meant the world to him, obviously coming back and scoring straight away. And you always know with, with Ross Stewart, you've, you know, you've got a chance. Yeah. Obviously, it was good for him to be back, Kyle, and he, the difference he makes to the team, not just when he's scoring goals, but, you know, off the ball, the runs that he makes, the whole the play, obviously impact the whole team and, and the game as a whole. And, you know, the whole contract situation still yet to be resolved, whether he's here in January, whether he's here in the summer, whether he's here for the next three years, no one really knows. But like John said there, if you, you know, if you're letting him go, you need a replacement. And the best way to probably put this is, Think about how much a replacement for Ross Stewart would cost, and that's how much he's worth. <laughs> and quite frankly, you know, you see people saying 10, 15 million, and it is probably a bit extreme to say that because you know he's he's played what six games above League One level in yeah. his career at 25, 26 years old. Um, you know, everyone knows his ability, but a team's going to pay that for him, possibly not. But when you look at how much you know a replacement would be for him. And really, obviously, there's going to be players abroad um, that, you know, you could get for a cheap price who are maybe younger and offer the same. But, you know, off the top of my head, I couldn't give you one. Right. But the closest replacement, I think, to him that's currently playing in the championship is obviously like Jokoresh from Coventry. Sure. And I think he was quoted about 15 million. It, I mean, this is just such a, I feel like a standard <laughs> signing dilemma, right, at, at this level, you know. Do we do we stick with the form? Obviously, the formula here that that we have set up, or I I, f- I just feel like there has to be some flexibility in that. 
but I can see it from their perspective well. Whoever Ross Stewart's agent is, which I still think it's a mystery, or unless <laughs> unless somebody somebody knows that information out there. But I'm sure they're seeing it too, just like what you said with his age and kind of where he's been playing. Not that he's old by any stretch, but I mean compared to you know some of the other young talents in the world that we see that get signed for tons oh. of money, this may be his one shot to get that. 15 to you know 18 i don't know million dollar contract which that's a substantial amount of money that's i'd say uh, to, to put it simply but um nonetheless it's good to have him back I, i'm just at this point i've just kind of made come to terms with it and just thought you know i'm just gonna enjoy it while he's here and if he stays awesome but if not it's just that's just the way it is you know we're, we're gonna lose a lot of players that we like you know we're gonna you know probably be in this situation quite more often than we'd probably like in the future, but it's just if as long as it works and it proves that you know the system's working and you know we're able to you know refresh and reload with some you know good young talent or just solid replacements that do make us better as a team, it's gonna hurt at first, but it's just we're just gonna have to trust the process, I guess is the way to put it. But it was just great to see him back, and you can tell he's enjoying it. The team obviously loves it, and and what a great ball too from Patrick Roberts. I mean, it was absolutely. Yeah right on the money perfect a foot or two you know maybe a yard or two farther ahead the keeper comes out for it but you can see his composure there that's a perfect striker's finish um and i think god as long as he just doesn't go to another as long as he doesn't go to like middlesbrough then then fine but yeah it's just it's a tough situation but you just we're just gonna have to trust the process as as it plays out yeah yeah and obviously Sunderland go one nil up down to 10 men um, 15 minutes left you hope and the, it's one of them games where the performance isn't great but you pick up the three points but obviously that is not the Sunderland way at the moment um, Hull did equalise John and it came from something that we've been talking about for pretty much the entire season it comes from a cross that we don't stop and we lose our man in the middle of the box and you know as you know it's 1-1 yeah again it's it's a massive frustration that one um, you know, we, again, we said it after West Brom, stop the crosses and the amount of space and the amount of time they had, you know, and they probably haven't got the best crosses in the world, but because they had so much time and space, they can pick out, you know, who they want. If they've got, you know, if they got Ross Stewart playing for them, that game probably finishes about 8-1. You know, they were absolutely dreadful up top and that's probably lucky. Um, you know, the one, the one cross that does obviously penetrate us is a oh just if you watch it back, I don't think anyone covers himself in glory. I think Luco Nine's nowhere to be seen. Dan Ballard's obviously trying to mark the striker, but he's nowhere near it. And Lyndon Gooch just gets beat. You know, Lyndon Gooch isn't a right back. And um, you know, so someone said the other week, um, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying, Oh, you know, they'd they'd like to see a new right back. And I was thinking, well, we've got Huggins, we've got Gooch, we've got O9 who can play there. You know, I'm I'm starting to turn to the opinion of I think we do need a proper defensive right back, you know, because I don't think Huggins is fancy very much. I think he's, he needs a low move to sort of bulk up a bit and get a bit stronger. Gooch is obviously doing us a favour there. Um, it's not necessarily his natural position. Going forward as a defender, he's he's good. And positionally, most of the time he's all right, but I think we just need someone, someone settled in there. Um, you know, maybe put 09 in there when, you know, if, if Bartha and Ballard are, are both fit, but, yeah, just it's a shame because apart from that, we defended sort of okay, you know, ish. It's just yeah, when it went in, it was a little bit, you know, deflating. Um, but yeah, just 
original point, stop crosses, you know, make it so difficult because sometimes we can't seem to get a cross in at all. You know, we've got two or three men on on Ahmad, on Clark, on Roberts, doesn't matter who's out wide. It's really hard for us to pick a cross out. Whereas yeah. the other team seems to have, you know, sort of the freedom of the wings and it's surely the management team have got to see that. I think I think it's summed up to me. I think it was uh, just before Diallo came off and Diallo just sort of accepted it and just, just let him cross it and it was like, well, you... You know, you haven't busted a gut all game because I'm I'm really seen anyone, you know, going hell for leather because the game was at such a slow pace. So there's no reason why you shouldn't get back and and stop that cross. He yeah, has massive frustration that and yeah, the crossing thing is is yeah, it just kills me. Yeah, well, she did finish one one a point on the road going into the next game, which is obviously at home. We would do three of the best, but I'm going to think you're going to struggle for three. So we'll just go <laughs> for the standout player for each of you, starting with you, Kyle. Uh, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Patrick Roberts. I think it was good for him to come into that situation. It probably hasn't been easy. I'm sure, you know, a mentality like his is he wants to be out there, start starting the game, you know, make an impact, but for him to come on at the stage that he did. And like I said, just deliver an absolutely perfect ball. And he also had some really nice runs along the wing as well. Um, he, the way he's able to just dribble a man, it's just what, <laughs> what happens when you're down a man is you dribble a man, make a run. And then you look in the middle and it's like, even Ross Stewart's having a hard time <laughs> keeping yeah. up. So and that's just, you don't want to get caught out. So I get that. But it, for me, it's gotta be Patrick Roberts. Yeah. And John, one standout player. Um, I, do you know what? Barring the penalty giveaway, I think Dan Ballard was probably, uh, for me anyway, I've, I saw him win a lot of um, interceptions. Obviously, the one for the, for the goal might be a, you know, it could be a free kick either way. But, you know, to show that desire and win the ball, you know, they were they were doing it enough to us. So, you know, you can live with that. Um, but, yeah, just getting his blocks in there and, you know, a little bit sharper, you know, up to speed. I think, again, we've got another, you know, fantastic player in there. Um, but, you know, maybe a couple of other shout-outs. Maybe I thought Luco 9 was was relatively solid. Corey Evans, again, I think Daniel worked hard. But after that, I think we're we're probably scraping a bit. And, you know, you I think you've still got to give a special mention to you know, to, to Roberts and Stuart when they come on and produce a, a moment of magic where, you know, a week's training, you can maybe see both of them starting for the for the next game. But yeah, for me, you know, there wasn't many standouts. But yeah, I was, I was quite impressed with Ballard considering he only had 60 minutes, you know, in the space yeah. of about four months. Yeah. Well, that next game is, like we said, on Boxing Day at home to Blackburn 12.30 kickoff. I'm presuming all championship games are at that time, but I could be wrong. Um just over a week's break um, between that game and the next obviously against Mowbray's former club Blackburn are doing well so far this season obviously that game down at Blackburn we were probably cheated out of um, the performance wasn't great but it wasn't bad we deserved more than we got out of that game and you know if performance levels are similar if not better there's no reason we can't get a result out of this one especially at home um, but Kyle, first and foremost, if you had to predict the scoreline for that game, what would it be? I mean, Mowbray can't lose every game against his former club, right? Like that's just that just can't happen. So we got we got to be able to win one. Um, you know, Boxing Day is it's always kind of a, an interesting one. I'm sure it's, it would be a lot of kind of fun to participate in. Oh, I'll go. I mean, I, I'll go really ropey one nil to us, and I think it's going to be Ross Stewart who. 
uh, won't sign a contract until we score from a corner kick, and he's going to score a corner kick and then immediately run to the side and sign the contract. So that's how it's going to go. One day celebration. <laughs> yeah, that's the celebration. He's going to run over and just sign it right there. Yeah. So we're we'll announcing it as it happens. Um, John, predictions for that game? Uh, I would say every week. I'll probably just take a win. Not really too fast how it comes. Um, if I was being super jolly, I'd probably like it to come from a corner. You know, that'd be nice if after 95 corners, score a corner and win 1-0. <laughs> it's only more than 95 now, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah we need an update from our stats guy. Yeah, he needs yeah. to make it a whole other, make a whole other radio, adding in those extras. Yeah, we'll do that. But as always, we'll have a podcast out talking about that game. Not sure if it'll be straight after or not, because obviously it is Christmas. Um, but we will have something out at some point around then. So until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.